welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our goal is to encourage everyone to grow in the Christian faith by anchoring themselves to the secure truth found in the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. I will destroy my people because they are ignorant. You have refused to learn, so I will refuse to let you be my priests. Hosea, chapter 4, verse 6, God's Word Translation. Hello, I'm Victoria Kay. Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. That's C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-S-E-A-B-O-O-K-S dot com. We're so happy that you're here with us today on Anchored by Truth as we wrap up a series called Eternal Information. This has been a fascinating series because during it, we have talked about yet another way we can be assured that God is the creator of everything. Today, as we conclude and summarize what we've covered in this series, we have R.D. Fierro back in the studio. R.D. is an author and the founder of Crystal Sea Books. R.D., we use information every day and we take its existence for granted. But information could not exist if the universe consisted only of matter and energy, could it? No, it couldn't. But before we go too much further, I'd also like to say hi to everyone who is joining us here on Anchored by Truth today. We really appreciate the time that you spend with us, and we hope that this show is helpful to you. We especially hope that it's helpful for our listeners to help them have more confidence in their faith, confidence in the Bible, confidence in what they know about God, and confidence in how they're going to live their lives. Now, simply put, information only exists where there is intelligence. Information is an organized system of units or symbols that is capable of containing or conveying purpose or meaning. Now, I know that sometimes subjects like the laws of information and how information is necessary for life can seem pretty far removed from what people think about when someone mentions the Bible or Christianity or faith. But that's why we opened our episode today with that quote from the Old Testament prophet Hosea. Hosea makes the link between knowledge and service to God, service to Christ, abundantly clear. Just to be sure we're clear, our opening scripture for this episode was Hosea 4.6, which says, quote, I will destroy my people because they are ignorant. You have refused to learn, so I will refuse to let you be my priests, unquote. That's from God's Word translation. The New International Version puts it this way, quote, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priests, unquote. Yes, God is the one who is speaking in that verse. And God is saying that because his people, in this case, the ones he was addressing, was the inhabitants of Old Testament Israel, because his people have rejected the knowledge of his law, he is going to reject them as serving as his priests. Now, just to be clear, A priest was someone who represented the people before God. A prophet was someone who represented God before the people. Conversely, a priest was someone who represented the people before God. And in this verse, in Hosea, God is connecting knowledge with service to him. 
He is specifically saying that he wants his people to possess a knowledge of him and his law for them to be qualified to represent him before the nations. Jesus would later say the same thing from just a slightly different perspective when he said that the greatest commandment was to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 30. In the New Living Translation, that verse says, quote, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, unquote. Yes. Jesus was telling his audience that God wants us to love and worship him, God, with our entire being. Yet in our contemporary church, all too often we focus almost exclusively on the hearts of believers and not on their minds. And while it is certainly true that we must always be concerned about appealing to people's hearts, we must never ignore their minds. Because if we do so, we are not only ignoring a specific command of the Lord's, but we are also denying those people an important and maybe the most important part of having spiritual power. The command I think you're thinking about is Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which says, quote, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will, unquote. Now that's from the New International Version. So the command is very clear. We are not to be conformed to the, quote, pattern of the world. And the way we avoid that is by being transformed by the renewing of your mind. But why do you say that if we don't follow this command, we may be sacrificing a source of spiritual power? Because any and all spiritual power that a Christian will ever possess must come from God. By ourselves, we are totally at the mercy of the world, the flesh, and the devil. I mean, put simply, if we are not connected with God, we are going to be adrift in the world like a boat without an anchor. That's why we call the show Anchored by Truth, and why we open every episode by encouraging people to anchor themselves to the only true source of eternal life, the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God, the Bible. Amen. Just to get back to our verse from Hosea, God said that he would reject the people who reject knowledge, specifically the knowledge of his law. God's law is contained in the Bible. Then our verse from Romans tells us that we need to renew our minds so we won't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Well, flip that verse around. It warns us that if we don't renew our minds, we will wind up being conformed to the pattern of the world. No one can be conformed to the pattern of this world and possess God's power. And if we don't possess God's power, we will not have the ability to remain godly in a godless world. You know, this may very well be what the Apostle Paul was warning his disciple Timothy about in 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, Paul warned Timothy that a day was coming when people would, quote, betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly, unquote. That does seem to be a characteristic of our age. Sadly, it is, and I am firmly persuaded that it is because so many Christians in our day and age don't want to make the investment in their faith of not only understanding its content, 
but also understanding its intellectual underpinnings that because they won't make that investment in their faith, they become subject to the lures of the world and the wiles of the devil. So when we want to understand the content of our faith and its intellectual underpinnings, that includes knowing something about subjects like apologetics. In its most basic sense, apologetics is simply the study of anything that teaches us how to be confident in our faith. Confident that God exists, confident that the Bible is God's word, and confident that the lies that the world wants to push on us are not true. And in our last episode of Anchored by Truth, we spent the whole episode talking about doubt about how doubts can sometimes seem so real, and yet doubt has little to no information of value. Right. So I just wanted to close out this series on information with the positive side, how the study of apologetic systems and approaches, including the study of an area like information, can increase our confidence in our faith. I mean, let's face it. Today, the shifting tides of cultural chaos are surging around us. In fact, in many ways, we're dealing with a tsunami of cultural dysfunction. And you can couple that with the fact that people in the church are regularly confronted with what I would label denominational deviance. That's the bad news. But the good news is that in Christ, through the renewing of our minds and our commitment to the truth of His Word, we are more than overcomers. The really good news about Christianity is that it is true. So even when Christians feel doubt, That does not change the fact that they are still saved eternally because of Jesus' finished work on the cross. And what we want at Anchored by Truth is for our listeners, everyone really, to experience the confidence and peace of knowing that fact. But the world these days does not make that easy. Today the world attempts to raise innumerable barricades to block the narrow gate that opens to salvation. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus said, quote, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it, unquote. And that's from the New Living Translation. And today, those barricades inevitably start with informational questions. If the universe and earth are billions of years old, how can Genesis chapter 1 be true? What evidence is there that there was ever a worldwide flood? If Moses wrote all the first five books of the Bible, then why did he use different names for God? And how could the prophets in the Bible have information about the far distant future? Today, informational questions are thrown at believers not just daily, but every time they turn on a TV, look something up on the internet, or enter a classroom. That can be a lot for people to overcome. But we don't have to overcome the world. Jesus has already done that for us. In the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, quote, I told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world, unquote. And that is also taken from the New Living Translation. Right. Jesus has overcome the world, but one of the ways he overcame the world is by giving us his word. And that's always around to help strengthen and comfort us. But another way he overcame the world is by giving us the ability to make observations about the world around us and think logically about what we can see. 
And when we do so, we see that without God, the world that we know could not exist. You need a supernatural, omniscient, omnipotent being who could create everything and who could then impart the ability to observe and reason. We need that kind of a God in order to make sense of the world. We then compose our own questions. If the universe is eternal, why do the laws of thermodynamics tell us that the universe will one day run out of energy? If galaxies and stars can form from interstellar clouds of dust, why do scientists tell us that 85% of the matter is dark, meaning we cannot see or detect it? If living creatures are the result of random collision of inanimate particles, why can't supposedly intelligent people create life in a laboratory from non-living chemicals? How did 100 billion atoms of just the right type collide all of a sudden at just the right place and form the first cell? And how did that collision occur when there was just the right energy source available to provide the energy necessary for it to feed, live, and reproduce? So Christians have our own set of questions that need answering before we need to accept the Big Bang and evolution as being the best explanation for why the universe is the way we see it. And that brings us back to what we have learned in this series on information. Information is present in the universe, and in our own experience, we know information is not created and does not interact with matter or energy. Apple trees produce apples. Orange trees produce oranges. Dogs produce puppies. Cats produce kittens. Like produces like. Information is massless and non-material. So material causes like matter and energy cannot produce a non-material phenomenon like information. And information is not present if intelligence is not present. Therefore, the non-material source that gives rise to information must also be an intelligent source. And unless you acknowledge the existence of God, that would be a big enough conundrum all by itself. But we also see information present in living creatures. DNA is not just an information storage and organization system, but it is one that is far more complicated than any information system yet created by man. The human body produces somewhere between 100,000 and 300,000 individual proteins, but human DNA only contains about 20 to 25,000 genes. To produce all those individual proteins, the genes within DNA must sometimes act in concert with one another. So, the first level of information within DNA is the information that is simply stored in the sequence of the DNA letters, the four kinds of bases that are the letters of the genetic code. But the second level of information within DNA is the information that is stored when various sections of DNA actually interconnect with one another to perform additional functions. And there is a third level of information stored in DNA, which results from the three-dimensional configuration with which DNA is stored within a cell. A single strand of human DNA contains about 3 billion base pairs. And that single strand would be six feet long if it were uncoiled. But that six-foot-long strand of DNA is present within 30 to 40 trillion cells of a normal adult human. So to store the DNA molecule, it is folded into a complicated shape. And one of the things that we find out when we study that folded shape is that the folded shape also provides information to the cell that enables the cell to carry out its functions properly. 
Moreover, there is a fourth level of information that DNA supplies. And that level of information is that as we go through our lives, the behavior of DNA actually changes. DNA has, in effect, a dynamic reprogramming system that functions throughout our lives. Well, that level of information sophistication has never been achieved in any human information system. And all of this sophistication isn't even the end of how amazing DNA really is or how it performs. DNA has its own unique repair system because every time we go out into the sun, we are bombarded with minute amounts of cosmic radiation that would decimate our DNA if it could not repair itself. But it can. And the scientists who explored the repair system won a Nobel Prize for their discovery. Furthermore, there are delicate and sophisticated motors that carefully control the DNA replication process. If those motors didn't precisely guide the unraveling of the double helix, it would be a tangled mess that would never allow it to be duplicated. And a creature that can't duplicate its DNA wouldn't live very long. And all of this information complexity is present just within the DNA system. We haven't even begun to address RNA, protein construction, how the cell's permeable membrane is built. The cellular sophistication generates an entirely new set of questions that a world that doubts God cannot answer. Exactly. The more we probe into the mysteries of life, the more we realize the inadequacy of the answers that the God alternatives provide. It is impossible to explain the existence of intelligence in a universe that is comprised only of matter and energy, because that would make intelligence the product of random chaos. And I can't think of anything that is more unreasonable than to say that intelligence is the product of random chaos. But even if somehow a godless science could answer those questions, then we would get into the question of the supernatural intelligence which is displayed in the Bible. The Bible is a unique book. It was written by over three dozen authors over a period of 1,500 years, but it contains a unified message about creation, fall, and redemption. Yet it presents that message while giving people information about living better lives, managing money, overcoming troubles, raising families, and organizing a more fair and responsible society. If the only information we gained from the Bible was by reading it from left to right, front to back, it would be an amazing work. But besides the pragmatic information, the Bible also contains an unparalleled body of prophetic information. Indeed. Or, as I sometimes say in our life lessons, exactamundo. Exactamundo? Again? Really? Really. The body of accurate prophetic information in the Bible is enormous. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible in addition to leading the Hebrews out of Egypt. But in addition, Moses was also a prophet. He gave several prophecies that would later come true in the future of the Israelite nation. And Moses foretold the future arrival of the Messiah. David was the second king of the Jewish nation, and in many ways, he was its most successful king. But David was also a prophet. God revealed to David that the coming Messiah would be David's descendant, which is why the Jews were always so focused on whether or not Jesus was a son of David. David wrote several messianic psalms, including Psalm 22, which describes a crucifixion experience before that method of execution was even used. 
David also wrote Psalm 110, where he prophesied that the coming Messiah would be a king and a priest combined like the Old Testament figure of Melchizedek. Well, only Jesus ever satisfied that criteria. The prophet Isaiah provided the name of the Persian emperor who would release the Jews from the Babylonian captivity 150 years before Cyrus arrived on the world scene. He also prophesied that a confederation of Israel and Syria would fail in their attempts to conquer Jerusalem, which they did. And he prophesied that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Daniel was a Hebrew captive of the Babylonians, but he named a series of four empires that would dominate the Middle East for over 500 years, and the series unfolded just as he said. And Daniel gave the famous prophecy of 70 weeks, which actually foretold the exact day Jesus would enter Jerusalem just prior to his death. Right. By studying the Bible carefully, we see that there was prophet after prophet after prophet that was inspired by God and gave the world information about the future that only an eternal God, who can see all of history accurately, that only that kind of an eternal God could possess. Men can't predict the weather more than a few days out, but God gave his prophets the names, places, and events that were going to occur centuries ahead of time. And as we have said during this series, if natural information requires the presence of natural intelligence, supernatural information requires the presence of supernatural intelligence. And the Bible's evidence of supernatural intelligence isn't just contained within its pragmatic and prophetic information. It's also contained within the interconnected details that we see between the Old and New Testaments. And we covered some of that in our 10th episode in this series, and we pointed to the example of Melchizedek to illustrate the interconnectedness of the two Testaments. So the point that we have tried to make in this series is by applying ourselves just a bit, we can overcome the stumbling blocks that the world, the flesh, and the devil would like to place in our path to the narrow gate that leads to salvation. Satan manufactured the fall out of a seed of doubt. But God has given us the ability to think clearly, to refute those doubts, and approach our lives with a spirit of confidence in our faith, in our Bible, and in our God. But as we started out saying, we do have to embrace this knowledge to acquire this confidence. Well, as you sometimes say, God expects us to do our own homework. And that's what I think is part of what Jesus was referring to when he admonished his followers to take his yoke upon their own shoulders. Now, Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light, but it's not non-existent. We live in a fallen creation. We face a hostile world, and the devil is always roaming around looking for people to devour. We can't change any of that. But what we can do is what Jesus asks us to do, commands us to do. Love him and the Father with all of our soul, hearts, strengths, and minds. You know, I'm always struck by the fact that when Jesus gave us that commandment, he used an and and not an or. Jesus didn't say to love God with our hearts or our minds. He told us to love God with our hearts and our minds. Now, we have free will. We can obey Jesus or not obey Jesus. But what we can't do is disobey Jesus without consequence. People have good, solid reasons based in science and fact to believe in God and the Bible. But all too often, we seem to be unwilling to embrace the doubts without being willing to do what it takes to change that doubt into confidence. 
They will cling to discredited ideas about the universe popping into existence from nothing and living creatures spontaneously arising from pond scum and scarcely ever express doubts or reservations. We want to help people understand that there is no need to do that. Information. Accurate information is the antidote to the poison of doubt. The stakes for us not doing so are truly eternal. And worse, for the mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers, their unwillingness to set a positive pattern can affect many other lives. None of us should want to be like the people Hosea spoke to, where we risk being rejected as being a suitable witness for God because we wouldn't embrace the knowledge that is readily available. This sounds like a good time to go to God in prayer. Today, let's listen to a prayer for those people who place their lives and safety at risk to serve and save others. We should all be willing to exchange a bit of our time and entertainment to serve others by having the answers that would bring eternal life to our friends and family. A prayer for first responders. Almighty, gracious, and heavenly Father, we come to you because you are a great God and a merciful God. Lord, we seek your face and your favor for our brothers and sisters who today selflessly perform jobs where they place the health and safety of others above their own. We are so grateful, Lord, that in our community and in every community in our nation, there are brave men and women willing to serve as police officers, firefighters, paramedics, and other first responders. We thank you for each and every one of them, and we pray that you would be their constant companion and guard. Lord, we know that they have all accepted the call to serve a cause greater than themselves. In doing so, they are following the supreme example of your Holy Son, Christ Jesus, who always placed the well-being of his followers over his own. We pray that our first responders will enjoy the blessing of knowing that you are not only their strength, but their Savior. We pray that the peace of Christ that passes all understanding would enable them to be strong in their work and service. We pray everything we do and they do would serve to bring glory and honor to your name. We thank you that you have given us a part in your great work. All this we ask in the name of your precious Son and our Lord, Christ Jesus. Amen. Is the Bible important in your life? Supporting Anchored by Truth with a contribution is an easy way to put your faith into action. The opportunity to help is available at crystalseabooks.com. How wonderful would it be for Jesus to commend us because we made His Word a priority in our lives and giving. We are grateful for your support and partnership. We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage friends to tune in also or to listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com where We're not perfect, but our boss is. And for those of you who need that website one more time, that's crystalseabooks.com. Crystal, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L, C-S-E-A, 
and books, B-O-O-K-S dot com. Thank you for your support. Are you hungry for truth? Most people are today. Between changing social standards, cultural chaos, and denominational deviance, confusion is sweeping our community like a tsunami. Will we be swept away? Or will we be anchored by truth? At Crystal Sea Books, our passion is the Bible. The Bible came from the mind of God. The words of God are powerful in truth and love. God will give us peace and strength as we honor His Word. At Crystal Sea Books, we believe the Bible can be a dynamic part of adventure stories, lyrical rhythms, and even humor, as well as inspire our prayers and meditations. That's why Crystal Sea Books is so pleased to offer an all-ages adventure story, Doors of Destiny, a Choice Orb Tale. Many readers have compared the adventure and engagement of Doors of Destiny to the timeless treasures of C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. And getting a copy of Doors of Destiny couldn't be easier. Just go to crystalseabooks.com and use the link. That's C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-S-E-A-B-O-O-K-S dot com. In Doors of Destiny, the Bible's timeless wisdom is captured in an amazing adventure story that is suitable for all ages. Build your faith as you travel highways and byways that are found beyond the veil of eternity. Get your own copy of Doors of Destiny today. At Crystal Sea Books, we're not perfect, but our boss is.